0: chapter thirty part two of the life and adventures of michael armstrong the factory boy this is a librivox recording part two looking a good deal surprised but accepting the invitation with great alacrity mrs gabberly began to mount the stairs exceedingly well pleased to have an opportunity of procuring so excellent a ticket of admission to every house in the neighbourhood as this ocular demonstration of the actual condition of the fallen night would furnish michael in compliance with the order he had received followed after and in a few minutes found himself once more in the presence of the man under whose tyranny he had suffered so terribly but a harder heart than michael's might have been softened into forgiveness and forgetfulness of all former injuries by the miserable aspect of the wretched man who lay stretched upon the splendid bed that he could no longer call his own his steadfast-minded and affectionate daughter the only earthly good that avenging heaven had left him entered first intending to announce the visit of mrs gabberly but sir matthew started up in bed and before she could speak cried out do not let that devil crockley come to me martha i will not see him i tell you i have got no pain now and if i had don't i know he would rather give me poison than physic he is going to lose his annuity you know it is mrs gabberly dear papa just come to ask how you are said martha leading the old lady to the bedside she will not stay because you are not well enough to talk but you will be glad to see her will you not glad said the miserable man knitting his brows and throwing upon her a look of deep aversion don't i know her is she not the town crier of all the country round have i not paid her for it a hundred times and do you think i don't know what she has come for now somebody else will pay her now for bringing them word how the poor bankrupt darling looks well now that is terrible to be sure exclaimed mrs gabberly he is quite shook in his mind do you think he would be outrageous if i was to feel his pulse my dear i should like to prescribe for him i should indeed poor dear man his talking about paying me is comical to be sure let me feel your pulse sir matthew shall i sir matthew looked so very much as if he would have liked to take her up in his enormous hand and throw her to the further end of the room that martha thought it prudent to prevent her nearer approach you have now seen my father mrs gabberly she said with emphasis and that i think is all that can be necessary for your satisfaction oh certainly it is very satisfactory she replied but without appearing to have the slightest intention of leaving the room for in truth it was at that moment the place where beyond all others she best liked to be the downfall of sir matthew dowling was a subject that employed every tongue and nobody could be so welcome to every drawing-room and every dining-room too throughout the neighbourhood as one who could testify to having seen him listened to him and ascertained how he seemed to bear it it was impossible that any person could have been better qualified for the service than mrs gabberly willingly would the still brisk little lady have crept under the toilet table or the bed itself rather than have lost so glorious an opportunity and instead of attending to martha's repeated assurance that she had better go now she began opening sundry physic vials that stood on the table at the bottom of the bed smelling some tasting others and pronouncing judgment upon all it is quite a mystery to me my dear what dr crockley can be thinking of giving such medicines as these to your father said she i see plainly enough that he is in a very inflammable and irritable state and he ought to be put altogether upon the depleting plan then putting her finger on her lip in sign of secrecy she whispered i'll just stay here martha behind the bed curtains till dr crockley comes and i think it may be very useful for us to have a little conversation together i know my poor dear father's method in these cases as well as he did himself and he was regular bread you know which is more than we can say of poor dear dr crockley exceedingly provoked martha now addressed her father saying mrs gabberly wishes to stay papa till dr crockley comes in order that they may have a consultation about you but you won't like that shall you like it replied the prostate man with bitterness oh dear yes i shall like it vastly they are exactly a fitting pair to come together glowering and gloating round the bed of a ruined neighbour let her stay by all means martha let her stay and watch it all see mrs gabberly there is a young auctioneering gentleman come to take an account of the furniture isn't it pleasant i am sure it must do your heart good to see it don't go away young man he continued addressing michael who shocked and disgusted was making his way towards the door don't go away go on never mind losing a little time i dare say you will be paid for it all the same and my dear good neighbour would not enjoy it half so much if she did not see something of the kind going on. Oh, dear, oh, dear! Quite wild and wandering, isn't he? Calling Crockley and me a pair, too. As if we ever thought of such a thing. I am sure, for one, I can answer for it that I never did. His doll of a wife, you know, hasn't been dead above a year, and I've no notion of such quick work. It is quite indecent, I think good gracious me now she continued catching sir matthew's fierce eye fixed upon her with a mixture of hatred and bitter irony what have i said i'll bet a guinea he fancies i mean something about his marrying himself up all in such a hurry with lady clarissa lady clarissa cried the knight in a loud voice that's right i had very nearly forgotten her ladyship go to her this moment martha Tell her to come here. Is she not my wife? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Is she not Mrs. Gabberly? And shall she not come hither and share with me the delight of seeing a broker taking possession of my furniture and a dear good soul like you looking on? Go, Martha, go when I tell you, and bring the right honourable Lady Clarissa Dowling here. I am quite certain she won't come, Papa said martha leaning down and whispering in his ear so don't make me go to her but she shall though shouted sir matthew even if i go down and fetch her myself my dear mrs gabberly my sweet mrs gabberly will you have the great condescension to go for her you used to run about if i did but hold up my finger you know and you would not be so ungenerous as to refuse now merely because i am a bankrupt go to my lady clarissa if you please sweet mrs gabberly and tell her that as she is a daughter of the noble house of highland Lock, i wish before we part to give her a parting token of remembrance she knows that i wear a magnificent diamond ring mrs gabberly and you may just hint to her if you please that nothing has been taken off my body yet i do assure you it will be a very pretty touching scene for you to witness and talk about it will indeed i am quite determined to have a sentimental parting and as she has told me that she means to set off to-morrow this will be just the right time for it won't it mrs perfectly well disposed to execute the commission and quite as desirous as sir matthew could be that the proud poor lady who had ever treated her with haughty coldness should be properly humbled she darted towards the door in order to perform her errand but martha remembering the manner in which she had left her stepmother engaged stepped forward to prevent her quietly saying if my father wishes to see his wife mrs gabberly i can go for her without troubling you and i really wish you would permit me to lead you downstairs to your donkey chair at the same time i am sure you must be aware that papa is not in a state to bear seeing company you are quite right my dear quite right indeed sir matthew is looking sadly wild and feverish and i should say that nobody whatever but the doctor and his own family ought to see him of course i suppose it would not be very convenient to hire attendants now for these sort of people i am sorry to say always insist upon ready money which is a cruel thing under such circumstances but so it is and therefore it follows that you and lady clarissa must be the chief nurses certainly ma'am it will be his own family who will wish to attend to him and therefore, if you please, I will take you downstairs and see you to your carriage. Me, my dear, cried Mrs. Gabberly in the shrillest possible tone, surely you cannot mean to call such an old friend as I am company. No, no, my dear Martha, don't think me such a brute. I would not leave you just yet for the whole world. You shall go yourself, my dear, if you will, and bring her ladyship up i will stay here as quiet as a mouse and watch by your poor papa but perhaps it might be as well to desire that young man to finish with his scribbling and get out of the room he must have gone over everything by this time mustn't he i will have her right honourable ladyship here before that fellow stirs a step martha do you hear me that's more than half the fun cried sir matthew bursting into a shout of laughter doesn't she know our kind clever observing neighbour who has come here so thoughtfully just to look about her a little doesn't she know her almost as well as i do and won't she enjoy thinking what a pleasant description dear mrs gabberly will be able to give of my lord Highlandlock's sweet daughter watching the broker and seeing that he sets everything down fair thankful was martha that the supposed broker was one who could not in reality add to the horror of the scene she turned to him as she left the room, saying, "'You had better remain here, if you please, till I return,' upon which he modestly ensconced himself in a distant corner of the room, and resting his paper upon a commode, continued as he stood to scribble upon it. Quite certain that it would be impossible to get rid of Mrs. Gabberly till her father's summons to his proud wife had been obeyed, and greatly more anxious to clear his room of this troublesome guest than to spare the feelings of her ladyship, martha entered the little sitting-room determined to deliver the message concerning the diamond ring if she could not prevail without it she found lady clarissa in the act of finishing the packing of her basket by laying on the top of it sundry light articles of female attire very cleverly calculated to make the whole pass under the general description of wearing apparel which the courtesy of the law permits to be removed by all persons in the unfortunate situation of her ladyship "'Now, I hope you will cease your impertinent preaching, Miss Martha,' she said as the pale and agitated young woman entered the room. "'Unless every separate nightcap and frill are to be examined one by one by these brutes, I conceive no objection can be made to this package. Gather up the cotton wool and poke it somewhere out of sight directly.' Martha obediently set herself to collect the scattered fragments of the suspicious-looking wool, but as she did so, said, "'My father wishes to see you, Lady Clarissa.' insolent wretch exclaimed her ladyship pausing in the act of collecting various little articles for which she had not found room in the basket have you the audacity to bring me this as a message my father says lady clarissa that as you are going to leave him to-morrow he should wish to see you once more replied martha monster screamed lady clarissa stamping her foot upon the floor he see me again he dare to lift his bankrupt eyes upon the noble woman he has so basely injured tell him you bold messenger who fear not to face the descendant of a dozen earls to convey to her the words of a bankrupt cotton-spinner tell him that the only atonement he can make is to die tell him this from me and may the ostentatious settlement his unprincipled pride made on me excuse me in some degree in the eyes of my noble brother for the degradation i brought upon him by accepting it these last words were uttered with clasped hands raised eyes fervent accents and all other ordinary indications of uttering a prayer indignant and disgusted martha felt no scruple in employing the means her father had given her for obtaining the interview he desired and quietly said in reply to this burst my father stated that his motive for asking to see you lady clarissa proceeded from his wish to present to you as a parting gift the diamond ring which he wears on his right hand the effect of these words was as sudden as that produced by the magic touch of a hand employed in turning off gas that indeed is a most natural wish unhappy guilty man i can well believe that had he the crown jewels at command he would deem them all too poor an offering to atone for the offence he has committed against me i thank god martha dowling that my noble blood has never taught me to forget that i am a christian there are many women believe me there are of less exalted rank than myself who would not deign to obey such a summons but i feel what my duties are and i shall nerve my courage to perform them come with me to my dressing-room martha carry that basket for me and then i will go with you to the bedside of sir matthew martha attempted to obey but the basket was too heavy for her to carry and she set it down again declaring that the task was beyond her strength a tolerably good joke that said lady clarissa endeavouring to laugh considering your origin but this is the last day of such pleasant jestings and therefore i must bear it with good humour i suppose then applying her own much stronger hand she lifted her treasure and was stalking off with it but stopped short ere she reached the door saying no i will stay here while you go and fetch my faithful mistress saunderson she enters into all my feelings thank god and is as strong as a highland pony in the bargain having obediently performed this commission and brought back the faithful scotch waiting-woman who had adhered very steadfastly to her mistress through all the vicissitudes of her fortune martha at length succeeded in marshalling the lady clarissa dowling into the bedroom of her husband no signet-ring ever made a deeper impression on wax than the diamond one of sir matthew had done on the memory of his noble wife and her first glance as she entered the room was directed to the hand which lay on the bedclothes, that she might see if it had already been removed. But no, there it sparkled still, and with a gentler aspect than she had been seen to wear since the tremendous hour when the declension of Sir Matthew from the richest commoner in the county into a bankrupt had been announced to her, she said, "'You wish to see me, Sir Matthew?' "'Martha says you wish to see me.' "'Yes, my beloved,' replied the knight. "'I do wish to see you. Angelic sweetness.' how can i do otherwise look at yourself in the mirror most beautiful clarissa look in the mirror before that broker there carries it off and tell me if you think it possible that any man could bear to part with so much beauty without having one final gaze upon it and see my dear here is your amiable neighbour mrs gabberly is it not kind of her to leave all other visitings that she may come to nestle herself here among the very brokers in the very centre of our misery it is so heavenly-minded of her isn't it i guessed indeed that one great reason for her making such a tremendous sacrifice was the hope of edification from beholding the christian spirit with which your ladyship bears your ladyship's overthrow and besides her own improvement from it she wishes to have it in her power to describe it to the whole neighbourhood very right of her isn't it my dear and that is the reason why i sent for you in general the nose of lady clarissa greatly outblushed her cheeks which had more of the jonquil than the rose in them but now from the tip of her high forehead to that of her long chin she became crimson and but from the remarkable length of her throat which seemed to rear itself in defiance of such danger a fit of apoplexy might have been expected be gone you vulgar gossip picker she cried turning in uncontrollable rage upon the terrified little woman and tell the contemptible neighbourhood through which you are going to crawl in your donkey-cart like a snail in his shell leaving your slime as you go tell them all from me that the best consolation under my remorse at having forgotten my own dignity by condescending to hold a place among them arises from being released from the degradation of associating with so contemptible a being as yourself and all who are capable of listening to you and having uttered these words in a piercing voice she rushed to the door threw it with great violence wide open and so left it as she paced with rapid but tragic strides to the shelter of her own boudoir and the sympathy of mistress saunderson it was perhaps because the door was open and that he knew the sound would follow her that sir matthew burst into the most violent shout of laughter that ever made itself heard from mortal lungs it terrified martha made michael armstrong shudder and caused mrs gabberly herself to wish she were anywhere else notwithstanding the very valuable information this extraordinary scene would enable her to communicate long did this frightful laugh continue and when strength seemed to fail and the boisterous merriment could be sustained no longer a vehement and reiterated hissing followed which at length ended in such complete exhaustion that sir matthew fell back pale and apparently motionless upon his pillow mrs said martha i must beg you to leave us now you must perceive that my poor father ought to be alone it is very important fearfully important i am afraid that he should be kept perfectly quiet give me leave to wish you good morning i must say that it does seem very odd in you miss martha to persist in calling me company good gracious to think of the terms on which i have always been in this house before your poor papa's unfortunate marriage i cannot and i will not leave you in such a condition it would be perfectly monstrous and everybody would call me a brute for it till dr crockley has been here i really neither can nor will go i am quite determined that i will hear what he says about him let her stay said sir matthew in a hollow whisper which proved that he was neither asleep nor dead though his closed eyes and ghastly countenance might have been mistaken for one state or the other martha went to him took his hand wiped the profuse perspiration from his brow and then placing herself in a chair beside him continued to watch his altered countenance alike unmindful as it seemed of the presence of mrs gabberly or that of michael either the lady perfectly contented to be thus quietly established as a looker-on determined for the present neither to move nor speak lest she might lose the valued privilege thereby but michael became so conscious of the awkwardness of his situation and so fearful lest martha from forgetting him might get into a scrape likewise that he ventured to approach the foot of the bed on tiptoe merely for the purpose of recalling himself to her recollection and then on seeing her start at the sight of him he said in a whisper i suppose i had better go downstairs now miss martha martha in reply to this nodded affirmatively and in the same low tone added i shall have other business to speak to you about Do not go away till you have seen me. Michael's eyes were naturally turned to Martha while this passed, but when he withdrew them and was about to make his retreat, he caught the large, wide-open, wild-looking eyes of Sir Matthew fixed earnestly upon him. The young man involuntarily dropped his eyelids, for the gaze was a frightful one, and he turned to leave the room. "'Stay!' roared a hoarse but loud and stunning voice from the bed. "'Stay, devil!' demon hell-bird what do you come here for cowardly blackguard do you think i do not know you you never dared to come till it was too late for me to hold you i have heard of your purring round the place weeks ago but you escaped me then base runaway what do you come spying here for did you think i should not know ye did you think I should forget those d blank hypocritical lies and that hateful curly hair of the devil's own colour? No, my pretty prentice, I have not forgotten your crocodile looks, and never shall. I suppose you thought you should bring me to repentance by sending home word that you were dead. Was that it, eh? I am able now, Sir Matthew, to pay for leaving the mill before my time, and I am quite ready to do it if you please replied michael gently but he spoke to one who heard him not sir matthew had a neck as short and thick as that of his lady was long and thin his last interview with her had not been a salutary one for a man in his state of mind and body and the subsequent discovery of michael of whose visit to the factory he had heard from parsons and at whose escape he expressed the most unbridled rage accelerated symptoms which had before threatened him and sent such a rush of blood to the brain as instantly produced apoplexy and left him totally deprived of sense and motion martha whose eyes were fixed on him uttered a fearful shriek and threw herself on the body believing that he was dead but mrs gabberly knew better she had practised too long as an amateur not to know a fit of apoplexy when she saw it and promptly exclaimed get away martha get off him child he is not dead i tell you and if we could but bleed him he would open his eyes again fast enough with the rapidity of lightning poor martha obeyed she withdrew herself from the bed endeavoured to raise her father in her arms and by the help of michael succeeded she then bared his arm bound her own waist belt tightly around it and with unshrinking courage had thrust a sharp penknife which she drew from her pocket into a vein before the skilful lady who had prescribed the measure had half recovered her astonishment on perceiving that the poor girl had conceived the project of putting it into immediate execution the old adage that where there is a will there is a way was never better illustrated than by this act of the tender-hearted and invalided martha she felt that her father's life hung on the promptness with which the operation was performed she felt too that if she shrunk from it there was no one else who would perform it and totally forgetful of herself and her own feelings, conquered the rebellious weakness that would have held her hand, and did what two minutes before she would have believed it utterly impossible she could have done. The result did honour to the skill of Mrs. Gabberly. the lazy current flowed though reluctantly, Sir Matthew opened his large eyes, rolled them from side to side, heaved a deep and heavy sigh, and presently attempted to speak, but this was beyond his power. What more should be done? said the pale and now trembling Martha, turning towards Mrs. Gabberly. "'Why, now, my dear, you must just let him alone for a little bit,' replied the physician by hereditary right. "'Well, now,' she added, "'wasn't it a blessing that I was here? "'If I had not stayed, he would have been dead as mutton by this time.'" End of chapter 30